0: Hey guys, it's Lydia and Dina. And you're listening to Like a Virgin, the podcast where we discuss all of our first. Hi. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the best podcast on planet Earthy. Period. This week we are discussing the first time we were able to tell white people they're racist, okay? And I mean, I guess like Dean and I both grew up in white suburbia, and if you know, now you know we're not white, so we've had to do our fair share of awkward conversations. Do you
1: think that people thought we were white?
0: Oh, I mean, we don't have enough Instagram followers, so I'm like, do y'all know what we look like? You're supporting black
1: business by listening to to like a version and retweet podcast.
0: Yes, like, and do yeah. the most by also following not gonna lie studios on Instagram. Yeah 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 heard that heard that real loud so but yeah so we've had like awkward conversations we've had awkward instances but there were there was a specific time where we've broken the awkward silences and we've spoken the fuck up and we are ready to tell you guys those stories today
1: yeah um i don't know if you guys are familiar with uh a little thing i like to call june 2020 all right the summer of 2020 was absolutely batshit crazy it was batch of crazy. I have never experienced the ability to call people out with, like, almost no repercussions in that way ever before in my life. And although short-lived, although, like, three years after, what substantive change do we have we seen? I don't know. But... It was a time, honey. It was a time. I was calling out my university. We were calling out our our workplaces. I was talking about every racist person that has ever done me wrong in high school on the fucking feed. Like, it was lit. It was
0: so lit. I mean, I feel like it just goes to show, like, genuinely, even though I loved it, it kind of was just, like, bullying, if you will. Not that we even bullied white people, but, like, because there was no substantial kind of movement, I feel like it really is just, like, I don't want to say that we, we were just like calling them out. And I feel like that's why it's like so weird that prior to June, 2020, I always felt so awkward because I was like, oh, well it's going to like make an uncomfortable shift. And it's like, white people should be uncomfortable because nine times out of 10, they're still winning in society. I'm like, guys, just we had to believe for a little bit. doesn't mean that like anything's like changing would kind of sucks, but it does feel good for black people. And I'm proud for black people for standing up for themselves.
1: And it's also funny because even like three years post you know, the George Floyd protests and that really concerted uh, uprising of Black Lives Matter, people are still like, oh, like I'm still learning. It's like, what, what are you learning? What anti-racism class are you taking? What work are you doing? Like, I'm so confused at what point do you think you've arrived to this anti-racist learning, what's the class? what are you reading? Like, I'm just like, so like, you can't use the I'm still learning as a cop out for everything. And yeah, you should still be learning. Like that's 100% true, but you still also have to take accountability within that. And I feel like, especially for those of you that just like found out racism was real in 2020, like love that for you, I guess. But you should be at a point now, three years later where you're like, at least have some basic understanding of the ways that anti-Black racism plays uh, in our society. But it's just so funny because I feel like now- Like, these things are still happening. You know what I mean? Like, people are still dying. Black people are still dying due to police brutality, due to anti-Black racism, due to anti-Black violence. And even outside of police brutality, other ways in which anti-Black racism plays a part in our lives. And it's just been, like, radio silence. And it's so funny to see, like, everyone that had those Black Lives Matter highlights or, like, all your posts. Now your posts posts are archived. Now that Black Lives Matter... That resources highlight is gone. It's like, how did... First of all, when, when did you come to the decision that it was okay to take that
0: down? Is the listening and learning done? Is the education done? Like, I don't... When did you guys take BLM out of the bio? Like, that's so anti-Black. I can't even believe it. Y'all shouldn't have put it in there to begin with. I know, because taking it out is so bad. Taking it out is so... Like,
1: you're not coming back from that. I noticed. We all noticed. Our eyes were wide open. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. I mean, for me, it definitely was... I mean, okay. So, when I was, like, in elementary school when, like, people would do the thing where it's, like, Chinese, Japanese, freeze, or, like, those things, people would eventually be, like, oh, that's racist. The difference between then, when I was, like, a little kid, is everybody could have been racist at that time. Like, people would kind of call out, like, all little kids to stop being racist. The conversations around racism, like, in 2009 was just, like, don't talk about race, essentially. 2020 was special because it was like specifically targeting like white supremacy. So my first time, like, blatantly calling like a white person or white collective racist was actually my university, Brussia University. If you're listening, I still remember and I still have the receipts. So. Again, it was 2020. They're like posting the BLM shit. At this time, it was like awkward because like some people were posting the Black Square, some people were posting um just like a photo of George Floyd or whoever was like victimized. And there's a lot of conversation around that. What Brussia decided to do was just take a photo of the campus and like wrote just like a little paragraph of God knows what, just filler words to basically explain like we like Black people without saying Black. Like they didn't mention like inherent racism. For context, the university I went to was like really white and Catholic. So it was like an all girls like Catholic school. My besties for the resties, including myself, decided to target them down, call them out for like Basically, just, like, not supporting Black students. A lot of students, like, at the time, especially international students, were, like, suffering a lot. Um, A lot of them, like, dropped out. There was, like, no Black educators, no Black, like, like, systems to, like, help students that were people of color, period. So we just, like, rated them the fuck down all the way until we basically got asked to be a part of, like, a virtual meeting with, like, the dean and shit. We just virtually fucking bullied them. And Dina was in this meeting and so was like two of our other friends and when I tell you I've never seen white people able to HR dodge us in such an efficient way I actually wish I took notes to learn how to like actually like surface level dodge someone calling you out
1: I know and Lydia was serious about it she was she had her blazer on honey she (laughs) had the slip the sling back bun like it was serious gloves were off um and I even remember like the tone that you took was a tone that feels like we couldn't have taken prior to this happening. Like it was a very firm, it was very like, this is what has happened. This is what we're experiencing. There's no sugarcoating.
0: I've actually tried to pull up the Instagram post. Um, So there's actually a couple, I wanna read out a couple of comments. I mean, some people were just like, do better, brusha I actually had a friend, I'm gonna read out some of the comments she wrote because they were so funny. So I have a friend, she wrote, you truly had an opportunity to highlight Black voices, but instead posting a photo of a random building provided from a quote from, in brackets, Dr. Mum." She said, maybe you guys should, and I'm seriously, uh, I'm serious about this, have actual people with qualifications to talk about Black issues with a bunch of clown faces. (laughs) We go (laughs) in, in capital, she goes, what is this laughing emojis resources question mark two black students where are they question mark three any recognition for black students experiences question mark this is purely performative allyship fuck y'all she said that she said fuck (laughs) y'all yeah it's so crazy we just went hard i mean like they couldn't delete the comments because that would be way worse so funny my comment being like As a Brescia alumni,
1: I'm ashamed to say I ever attended this institution.
0: That's sad.
1: But it's so funny because it's like they literally were like, okay, they did a Blackout Tuesday post,
0: too. I remember that. They literally posted the Black Squares. Girl. I'm like promising young woman in the way we're like, to this day, I still think about just like graffitiing their building. I'm like, anybody who did Black people wrong, like, I will promise I will like promise young woman you like, I will literally deliberately go to your institution and like cause havoc and revenge. I will say, and actually, okay. So this episode obviously isn't to, like shame people for not calling out white people for racism, but that really was the first time I really think I kind of took initiative. I'm not going to say when I was younger, I was complicit, but I will say that I think I just like felt maybe too scared or I just didn't know how to kind of go about it and so it wasn't until this opportunity that I really kind of said something with so much discernment
1: yeah yeah I think the climate allowed for people to actually like value what you were saying and you could say it in ways where you didn't have to like tone police yourself if that makes sense like you could really just say like you are being racist this is anti black racism this is white supremacy i feel like even saying the word white felt like like a bad word at the time to call out whiteness for what it was and it feels like the larger cultural consciousness around how whiteness intersects with or how white supremacy intersects with anti-black racism um it just it became more acceptable to have conversations in more like layman's terms without feeling like you had to sugarcoat your conversation. Um, But I will say, like, three years later, what has been the actual impact of that? Like, I just feel like because it was a pandemic, and so many of us were isolated, it's like, we're not going to have the forward movement that like other civil rights movements have had, because we just don't have that community organization piece involved. Like, it's like, Even with like the civil rights movement, a lot of the organization around that was like the Black church. You had like a place where people like felt connected and in community with one another and community is so integral to doing good organizing. And it's just like social media activism, essentially. Like it was literally just like the year of infographics, the year of calling people out on social media, calling organizations out on social media, the year of notes app apologies. But it's like when you're not, when you don't have like a physical organizational space and like physical community building you're really not gonna you're not gonna make any steps forward and i will say like there was some changes that happened in terms of police budgets changing and some of the folks specifically in minnesota where george floyd was murdered um you know the minnesota freedom fund and and changes that happen at that level but like I feel like we just had such momentum and then everything just fizzled out and of course there was so much going on during this time but like it is disappointing to see. Yeah
0: I agree but also do you feel like because we were all on our computers it almost because I absolutely agree and I think one of the problems with BLM in 2020 is like people were kind of shamed for going to the Black Lives Matter protest because it was COVID and people were meant to stay at home. So it almost felt like as a black person, am I gonna stay home so that like, cause there's like this epidemic happening or am I gonna like basically like fight for my rights? I know, but in a weird way, especially because, like, we I don't even know if I'm allowed to say their names, but there are people who were calling out like their high school peers and like they weren't covering the names and like they really were like going in. And I think by staying home and it by being in the pandemic in a weird way, it made people more ballsy and it like protected Black people from not like getting jumped or like something crazy like on the street.
1: I just feel like, I mean, what can you really expect from a generation who thinks like cancel culture is a thing and a generation who thinks like this insert person's name here is cancel party is like activism. You know what I mean? Like sure. I just feel like there's a disconnect there. Um, but I will say on the safety front, a hundred percent like it makes sense um for you to be able to do like digital activism in that way. Um, and I'm not saying that there isn't value in that, but I think there's like this piece that's lost for people on like what does it actually mean to contribute to to your community what does it actually mean to participate in mutual aid also on the point of like um the pandemic intersecting with this it's like people also miss the whole point of like black people are actually, like the most in like the the most vulnerable people to this pandemic we we make up a high proportion of frontline workers, especially black women are making up a high proportion of people that are working in nursing homes that are working in frontline care that are are delivering services in that way. And we're like the highest rates of people dying. Um, so like the anti-black racism conversation and the conversation around racial justice isn't divorced from like the, from the material conditions and like circumstances of the pandemic as well. And I feel like that piece was also missed too. Um, but yeah, just like hiding behind a computer screen and like posting a black square, it's just like girl, yeah you what do you mean you're silent and muted and listening? You've been silent, and muted, and listening.
0: Yeah, did you call someone out
1: on IG? Yeah, not on Instagram, but I feel like my kind of parallel situation to yours was uh I quit my job. Slay. <laughs> yeah, I literally because my job was one of those places I worked retail and they were considering opening the mall back up again anyways, and I wasn't comfortable going back to work. So I probably would have resigned it anyways, because I had access to CERB. And like, I had, I was in circumstances that would allow me to leave my job. But my job posted a black square. That's all they did. They posted a black square. And then the very next day, they started posting about their summer collection. Okay. And Aside from posting a black square with no resources and no education and no um, actual commitments to, you know, do anti-racism work, they just continued business as usual. The literally the next day, it just felt so, like, it felt like, at least give us the week. At least give us the week. Don't post your selfies. Don't post your vacationing. And that was the same issue that I had with, like, white people being, like, posting a black square on Tuesday and then Wednesday it's a selfie. I'm like, girl. Or like people posting, people posting the sign being like, stop killing black men. I want mixed children.
0: Ew. Oh my God, I forgot. That's so gross. Did you ever go to someone in person? Like, have you ever like been like, you're being racist or like, have you ever, I mean, it doesn't have to be angry. I take that back. Have you ever like in person had to have a conversation? Because I'll be honest. It wasn't in person, but the Zoom call that we were in with my university where I was like basically being like y'all are fucking crazy uh mm. on Zoom at my university was kind of the only time I've ever really had I think an in person conversation about racism. Okay, my my reasoning for that I think is because D&I started retweet when we were like 18 and we would talk about racism, so it just like kind of filtered out like I I think Mostly racist people in our lives. So I just haven't really had the opportunity, not that I want it, but I haven't really had the opportunity to kind of like talk to people in person to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But actually, oh my goodness, Dina got, tell them the story about you at that party when that guy wrote, uh, we're an afro.
1: Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Let me tell my story about Ricky's first and then I'll go back to that. Sorry, bitch. We got, the bitches got ADHD. We got ADHD. um But yeah. So I quit my job during that time because my job had just posted a black square and then with no context with a link to the Canadian Women's Foundation which is like a really interesting place to direct resources when you could have directed them to a bail fund you could have directed them to people that are doing actual work on the ground that is specific to black people Um, not to say that the Canadian Women's Foundation doesn't do that work but it just is lazy and ineffectual. They didn't offer any resources to their Black employees. Like, they literally just didn't make any actual anti-racist commitments or put forward anything actionable. And this was a time where, like, companies all over the world, like, literally probably like Amazon, was, like, increasing diversity at our board leadership, like, mandatory anti-racism training, uh, monetary donations. Like, this was the time of, like, corporate stewardship in that way. And my job didn't do any of that. And so I just wrote them a very uh, strongly worded email about well, using I, Black people when it conveniences you, using Black people for your promotional campaigns as models on your website, as a diversity marketing ploy, but not doing anything to actually acknowledge the Black staff that they have. And the, the point blank period of it all is if you had Black people at your senior leadership team, this wouldn't have happened, right? This mistake or oversight wouldn't have happened if you had people in the position to make those decisions, if you had a Black person on your marketing and communications team. Mm-hmm. So I think that was just like my main point. And again, I was in a position to like make a statement and, and quit. So I, I sent this to our senior, senior, senior HR leader, and they sent me a very like cut and dry HR response, which is what i expected was we're like you know we're inherently in support of individuals including black indigenous and people of color bipoc uh which i'm like period like bipoc is not the same as black but love that for you and just being like we're still
0: listening and learning um so yeah Cause that was ballsy. Like I have never, and honestly, embarrassingly enough, like it wasn't BLM 2020, but like I've definitely worked jobs where like, especially cause I've worked a lot of small businesses where they've been like racist. I will never forget. I worked for this production company and I was the production coordinator and I was near the kitchen. I don't know if everyone told this story. I was near the kitchen and I was like overhearing, I guess, but I was obviously just like doing my job. The owner was like, last name was Cappy. And she's like talking to about her family, and she was like, "Yeah, with the Cappy Clan, we're gonna go to like the mall or some shit." And the her co or like our coworker was like, "Oh, Cappy Clan, kind of like like the KKK," and they like laughed. And I was like, "You think it's like funny to associate your children with the KKK?" Like, <laughs> I was like, "This is so gag worthy." I do wish I said something like in retrospect, but it's just a highlight. Like, it's not easy to tell your job that you're, you're like racist because you do want a job I mean like it's hard to be out of money yeah and I, I to your point I do think
1: because we've always been so vocal on social media about like who we are and mm. and you know like I just it does filter out a lot of people that would be racist blatantly to my face so a lot of the times when you do experience it, it's in a place where you're like around people that are not in your network like at a like job a coworker, worker yeah. yeah where you like are like you are disadvantaged. You can't, you don't feel like you're empowered to say anything. And maybe now I'd feel differently. Um, and I'm definitely in a lot of different spaces now where I could definitely call it anti Black racism if I saw it. But it almost feels like it's not my job. It's not my job. It's your, it's your allies job. Absolutely. But nobody wants to do it. It's the job of allies to do that calling out work. And uh, that's just a lot of labor. And I know it's kind of a cop out to be like, I don't want to have to be the person that's always having these conversations, but like you do really have to choose and pick your battles, especially as a marginalized person. Yeah, that's real. Um, But on Lydia's point about this story, so I got to tell y'all, I feel like maybe I thought I told the story in retweet, but maybe I didn't. Uh, But basically last year I went to this Halloween party and it was Kiki's. It was this girl from my high school invited me.
0: so funny because I feel like I've waited my entire life to see a racist Halloween costume. So you live my dream. And, uh, and just take this in, like this: we're in the year 2022.
1: Like this is not 2017. This is not 2016. This is 2022, post BLM, post anti-black racism conversations, post the infographics. Like you have all the resources at your fingertips to know that what you did was wrong, and you chose not to see it. Um, so I go to this Halloween party. I am the only black person there, and my friend is there as well. She's a POC, but not black. So uh, different, you know, different context. And we get there and there is this guy and his costume. He's wearing a dashiki and an Afro wig. Okay. The Afro wig is what I saw first. And I was like, okay, no, like, I'm going to have to say something about this. Like, this is ridiculous. And then I saw the dashiki and things were getting worser. And so, and my friend uh, who invited me to the party, she was also wearing a wig. And at some point during the night, they switched wigs, okay? They switched wigs. And I was like, girl, don't put on the wig. And she's like, why? Like, why shouldn't I put on the wig? I'm like, it's extremely racist. Like, do not put on the wig. Um, and just for context, like, his con- his costume is supposed to be a hippie, which...
0: Black culture being, like, passe, yet so forward is, like, fucked.
1: A dashiki is hippie? Like, what? I was just like, that you're so unserious. Um, And then I, I made a comment about it being racist. My high school friend turns and is like, oh, Dina just called this racist. And the guy is just sitting there looking at me like, literally doesn't say anything. And then continues to neg me the rest of the night. Like, literally, I'm drinking and he's like, oh, she's so drunk.
0: But it goes to show like it is really awkward when you tell people they're being racist, because even if you're so true and valid, it's like him being like, oh, you're so drunk. It's like, obviously he had to. He was being antagonistic. Yeah, he had to make himself the victim. Like he has to switch the narrative so that it's like, well, she's so drunk. That's why she said that. It's not like I'm really racist.
1: It just in that situation really highlighted to me that, like, even in a post, you know, education, educated world, I'm still alone in those situations. I'm always going to be alone. And I was just really disappointed that I had to be the one to have that conversation because I really didn't want to. I really didn't want to even like bring yeah. it up. I was like, I was like, this is just going to be a mental no. And I like, this is not the time that I want to be an SJW. I want to just enjoy my Halloween night and have a good time. And it's like, it's extremely isolating when you experience something like that. No, I like, it's know. so, it's like, so like it just reminds me like how hard it is to be a black woman in the world I like know. it's so hard to be a black woman because it's like even if you're in a room full of other black people you could still be have that feeling because black men hate us
0: exactly so you're still having
1: to defend yourself it's just like it's just so isolating and sad, and it made me so sad. Like I wasn't even angry. Like I was just sad. Like I was like sad. I it's was just like Halloween. I... Yeah, you just want to turn was, up. Like I, I just thought I was gonna have a
0: fun night, like in my Halloween costume, and like I was like, I have to experience anti black racism. <laughs> That's how people, like a lot of people of color feel. I mean, not take away Black people experience. That's how a lot of Black people feel like on Halloween. Like they're just like, oh, sick. Like this person did blackface. It's just like, we're just getting bullied. And it's supposed to be such a fun holiday. It's like the one night of the year where you can wear, wear something really slutty, Or you could be like Sebastian Hastings. It's like, why wouldn't you take the opportunity? But funny enough, this actually was recently too. And it wasn't to a white person, but um, it was mostly like funded by white people. So there's this uh production company in Toronto called Fella and they released this L'Oreal commercial for like locks and like coily hair, like it was like a it was a product. And I was like, oh wow, I've never seen them do anything like for black people specifically. So I click the credits and I click the director. And the director is like a brown woman. And I was like, oh wow. Okay. So this is where I get messy because I <laughs> have slippery fingers and sometimes I think I'm putting something on my close friends and I'm not. So all my close friends, I share the, I share the spot and I was like, lol guys, like guess we just wait until you see like who directed this black commercial with full of black people okay and then I like scroll to find a photo of her because also like I'm not an idiot I get it sometimes East African women when they straighten their hair they look brown so I was like I need to make sure this photo of this woman like you can tell she's not black Mm -hmm. so I find this photo and I share it and I say Toronto hates black people okay I did not put on my close friends (laughs) I accidentally shared it, like, on my meme. And, like, it it was up there for, like, a hot second. And she saw saw it. Yeah, No, she fully saw it because it's, like, this person mentioned you on their story. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I, like, actually felt, like, real-life anxiety. Like, my, the air out of my head escaped. And I, like, talked to one of my friends who's an editor for them. And I was, like, oh, my gosh, like what should i do like should i say something like this is so awkward I was like my career like i've never like everyone's gonna think i'm crazy and she was like even if they do though like are you wrong i was like you're right like i'm not wrong no brown woman has any business making a commercial for kinky coily hair that makes no sense how did this get approved so I think it's just hard because it also kind of overlaps like us being Black women. It overlaps kind of feeling like you fit that crazy girl narrative. Like you just feel like, oh, like she's a, she's like nuts. As a woman, you already don't want to seem nuts. The next time someone's racist to me, I'm just going to say your mom's a hoe.
1: Yeah, Your mom's I a gonna hoe. I'm going to say your mom should have swallowed you. <laughs>
0: yeah. That way, because if you guys are so scared of the R word, then your mom should have swallowed you. And that's her advice you felt like, Virgin. You <laughs> to call white people out for racism. Just tell them that their mom should have swallowed them. I know, that's
1: right. Oh, I like this episode. It was fun. It was down. It was fun to go down memory lane. Uh, 2020 will always forever be burned into my head. I can't wait to read, like, the discourse in 10 years of, like, the impact 10 years later of, of what that time was like. Any any thinkers, any any thought people, people with thoughts, write about it because I want to read about it
0: yeah it was so iconic it was just like screenshot people from high school calling black people gorillas and shit like I just I'm obsessed I'm so vindictive and like I'm so even though I get that call out culture is messed up I'm like call them out I love I love it but
1: well I just feel like there is like a middle ground right there's a middle ground between cancel culture and call out culture and like not holding people accountable yeah Um, it's just like we always go too far to the one side But bitches used to get stoned in the town square, honey. So, someone calling you out on Instagram ain't that bad. Yeah, it's true. Thanks for listening. If you're white, go donate to someone black. Go send them an e transfer.
0: Yeah. And don't say or do racist shit. And if people fucking call you racist, just be like, okay, thank you for telling me. I will do better. Don't say sorry. Just say thank you for telling me. Don't say sorry because then black people have to be like, it's okay. Don't say sorry. Just say, thank you for telling me that's like actually our like if you were why you listen to this that's my biggest takeaway or your it should be your biggest takeaway just say thank you for telling me i will do better that's all i gotta do period
1: follow us on instagram y'all and underscore underscore studios make sure that you give us five stars on spotify five stars on apple podcast or wherever you listen if there's hey. a platform that we're not on that you'd like us to be on just send us a message and i can do that for y'all
0: don't you worry Yeah, we'll do anything for you guys, but you guys need to follow, okay? We post good shit up anywhere and everywhere, so follow us on NGL Studios on IG. Okay, bye, y'all.